You're listening to the award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, featuring business leaders to help you navigate a constantly changing marketplace. Want to become known as a trusted authority while building a thriving business you love? The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will show you how. Here's your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show brought to you by the InfluenceAlliance.com, the business building community for coaches and consultants who want to make a much bigger impact in the world with their message while also building a profitable and scalable business. And I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says companies don't fail entrepreneurs quit. And joining me on today's show is Curtis Morley. Curtis is a five-times entrepreneur. He's an author, an educator, a thought leader, and a patient holder. And he helps entrepreneurs achieve next-level growth. Now, Curtis has built companies achieving 20x growth, and he's acquired 96 of the Fortune 100 as clients. And he's been the Entrepreneur of the Year, 40 under 40 and Inc. 500 over 5,000 six times, including Hall of Fame. Amazing. And so on today's show, he's going to share the one letter that changes fear into power. He's going to talk about overcoming the entrepreneur's paradox as well as 16 startup pitfalls. Lots to cover today. Let's dive in. Welcome, Curtis. Thank you so much. It's great to see you, Emery. What an impressive um, introduction there with all of the things that you have achieved. I would imagine that over the years, you have uh, yourself overcome various different challenges, have seen a lot of different changes in the, the area of business. But I wonder over the last kind of 12 to 18 months, it's certainly been challenging for businesses wherever they are over the globe. So I'm really glad that uh, you're here to share. Particularly, I love the the quote that we started the show that companies don't fail, entrepreneurs quit. So let's dive in. Let's talk about the one letter that allows us to change fear into power. What is that letter? That letter is S. And if I can illustrate, so the oftentimes as entrepreneurs, we, we look into the future and we project negativity onto the future. Oftentimes we project our fears, we project you know, how we're feeling about, you know, am I going to fail? What if I fail? What if I, what if I can't pay my employees? What if I go bankrupt? What if I have to sell my house? What if, what if, what if, what if? And we can what if ourselves to death. It's, yeah, you know, we can project in the future all day long. And a dear friend of mine, Richard Bass, he's, he, he coined the phrase, that perplexing on the past produces pain, fretting on the future fuels fear. Only the present brings peace and power. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if you look at when we're saying that phrase, what if, and, and just think about how you feel when I say that. So what if I can't make payroll? That's scary. That has anxiety. It feels closed and like the chest is, you know, caving in. Mm-hmm. And what if I fail? What if my peers laugh at me? What if, what if, what if? And if we take the F off the end and we replace it with an S to instead of saying what if, we say what is. And what is brings back our power. What is brings us to the present. So what is our current circumstance? What is our goal? What is something I can do today to help me either overcome 
a problem or achieve my goal. Do you, do you feel the difference when we talk about that? Yeah, huge difference. It opens the pathway to opportunities that you may not have even contemplated had you not followed that thread of thought. And I'd imagine that that can also impact um, the environment, your team members as well, because that allows them to start thinking, well, what is possible? What is true for us mm -hmm. now? And what is the, you know, the, the step or the, the pathway forward through this particular issue, whatever it might be? You know, it's interesting that you talk about what if, because I've heard that before with one of my colleagues, but when she says the what if, it is done very much from a a possibility driven. So it's very much that mindset. But that's right. We we tend to project what if that happens? What and immediately that uh, you, you're coming from that place of fear and uh, that certainly can't open up uh, thought processes and innovations that uh, may just be there because every crisis you've got you're at a crossroad aren't you and you've got two choices forward this is either going to make you or break you and um, the, the choice is is yours now let's talk about because uh, I know you've got 16 startup pitfalls and I want to make sure that um, we at least know what they are and we've got some time possibly to dive into some of those more today but overcoming the entrepreneur's paradox What's the entrepreneur's paradox? Oh, I love this. This is one of my favorite topics because um, I, I coach and mentor entrepreneurs. And um, it's, it's really interesting because as I, as I open up the behind the scenes of the companies and look at their financials, hear their stories, you know, how they started the company, most entrepreneurs, they, they start their company because they're really good at something. They're good at a skill. They've got a passion around a product. They've created something that may have never been produced on the planet before, some creative, innovative idea. And as soon as they do that, someone else says, wow, that's amazing. Would you make one of those for me? Or would you do that for me? Or that's the most amazing cupcake I've ever tasted. Why, why don't you have a cupcake shop? <laughs> and, and so most entrepreneurs, myself included, in my first few businesses, um, because of a skill or a passion, they say, well, of course I make the best cupcakes. Of course I make the best websites, the best you put your product in there. Therefore, I'm going to make the best business. And that's where the entrepreneur's paradox come in, is that oftentimes the entrepreneur will be building a product and they'll neglect building the business. And so even though I may be the, the best in the world at whatever I do, the paradox is I have to stop being the best in the world at building that product in order to be the best in the world at building my company. Yes, because when you start to look at that, what are some of the things that the entrepreneur then that really steps into more of that CEO role, what are some of the things that they then need to focus on? And this may then segue beautifully into the 16 startup pitfalls or maybe not, but let's dive into that because some people are, I'm sure are listening or watching today or maybe even the recording thinking, okay, Curtis, that's what I've been targeting or what I've been aiming for to become the best building some traction here, but what do I need to do next that will enable me to now focus on building my company? Oh, I love that question. One, one question I, I pose to every, every single entrepreneur I work with is if you're building the product, who's building the company? And you think about that. If you're building the product, who's building the company? And oftentimes that's nobody. 
<laughs> that's, that's nobody. And the entrepreneur wakes up every day and says, well, what am I going to do today? I'm going to create the coolest new product ever. But they don't say I'm going to create the coolest new business ever. Yeah. And in order, to, in order to do that, in order to make that mindset shift, um, really kind of have to rip out the identity of the entrepreneur and reinstall a new operating system. And that operating system is one of leadership, is yeah. going from a startup founder to a true entrepreneur where I say, okay, what is the job of the CEO? What is, what is really the job of the CEO? Is it to be tinkering in the shop? Probably not. Um, is it to be, you know, taking out the garbage, doing the accounting, um, the legal, everything else? It's definitely not. Yeah. The, the job of the CEO is to, number one, know where the company's going. Set that vision. And, and throughout the book, The Entrepreneur's Paradox, um, it, it's fun because I actually wrote, I don't know, probably three-fourths of it before I went and climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Wow. And I came back down from the mountain and they have a saying, they say, you can't go up without coming down changed. And it is 100% true. They, everyone on our expedition came back a different person. And so I rewrote the book and, and there's an analogy of the mountain that equates directly to building business. So being the leader, you need to pick which mountain you're going to climb. And it's more than just, hey, I want to have a cool company. There's actually a success formula and the success formula for any entrepreneur, and please get out your pens at this point because write this down or you can go to my website, theentrepreneursparadox.com and download uh, a copy of it. But the success formula, it looks like this. It says how much, um, by when, for what, and why. So there's these four elements. How much is either revenue, profit, acquisition or some type of financial goal how much by when is a very specific date so when is not just i want it in five years i want to hit 30 million dollars in my company in revenue in five years no it needs to say um june 2nd 2030 or whatever the date is june 2nd 2026 um, it needs a very specific date on the calendar. And what happens in the brain, the psychology of the brain, when you put that date on the calendar, all of a sudden it becomes real. And yeah. you just go, whoa, <laughs> I just did something. I just committed to something. I just put this out in the universe. The for what is an event. So once you reach that goal, are you going to be acquired? Are you going to buy that dream house you've always wanted? Are you going to, you know, what event is going to happen? And then the, um, so the for what and why, the and why is what drives me? What gets me excited? What motivates me? With that formula, it's amazing what happens to companies. They yes. go from having a dream or a wish to having a goal that's attainable. Yeah, I love that. And what I love about that specificity is so often when there's no finite date, it can continue to get pushed out, can't it? But let's talk about, um, we've heard, you know, set a big audacious goal, all of those kind of kind of things. And, and we may set a goal, but what we often don't realise is that there needs to be 
almost like a chunking down, if you if I can use that term. You know, what are the steps that will enable us to, to achieve that? Because I know as entrepreneurs, we can have these incredible visions. So number one, it can be so big that it freaks us out. We think, well, you know, then comes that mindset again. And but that's when we, what is, what is, what, what is, you know, needed to enable me to, to achieve that goal. In your experience, and I guess this is going to be different for every kind of company and business and so forth, but what is a good, um, when we look at, okay, well, this is our big vision, let's chunk it down. Would you say, well, look, we need to look at yearly uh, and then quarterly is really good. Like what are the action steps? What are the goals? How can we keep ourselves working towards that big vision without getting distracted? Or maybe I'm the only one that gets distracted, you know, and off track if something shouldn't die. <laughs> yeah, the, it's such an important question because, um, and and it's almost like you're walking through my book. It's like, oh, okay, pitfalls. You're just like in order, hitting all of them, um, climbing without a map, reverse engineering the goal. Um, yeah, it, it is critical to reverse engineer the goal and yeah. say, okay, what are typical growth rates? And and we go through this in the book um, yeah. as we say okay, what's a typical growth rate in my industry? Do I think I can do better than that? Do I want to play right at that range? Um, what are valuations that are happening at that time? You know, all of those pieces and really being able to envision, that's critical. Being able to envision where you're going to be when that event happens um, and then working backwards to reverse engineer that goal. How many employees am I going to have? How many customers am I going to have? How many products am I going to have? And what do I have to do year by year to hit that? I I think I need to be interviewing you. Like you've got to, you, you know, and it's because that that is so important. You know, and something else that I and I love the way that you say, you know, standard industry. What what have other companies that have gone before? Because we can learn from others that have uh, you know that have kind of travelled the journey. But what I I would also find, and I'm sure you've covered this in your book. What are some of the pitfalls or the challenges that happens at certain stages of growth, so that we can mitigate that risk you know if typically like you know we're ve I'm very much involved in the service-based industry and I learn from my mentors years on I mean I'm a bit stubborn I, I think I still have to go through the lessons myself I don't know you know I still have to pave my own way but time is finite we only have so many times in it's so much time in the day so typically for a service-based business you to scale you need to be able to multiply yourself or certify you know bring in coaches to be able to support so these are all things I think as as entrepreneurs business owners we need to understand what are the typical pitfalls or the challenges and how can I ensure that that doesn't become an issue for my business would you say that that is, is typical of entrepreneurs as well they don't mitigate for the risks and and kind of challenges for their industry oh almost 100 percent they you're <laughs> i you've either got my book perfectly outlined or you're psychic one of the two i'm not sure which but <laughs> i've just made a lot of mistakes over the way <laughs> along the way you know but, but it's important i think because uh, you know that whole why and what's the the reason for that 
I love the way that you said, you know, we're often good at something, but it can also be very much because there's a stand for, there's a message, there is a, we want to challenge, you know, some of the outdated things in our industry and, and, and bring betterment, you know, for the community, our clients and so forth. And when we get stuck, it's not just, well, you know, my business, I'm going to walk away, but often for many of us, it's tied to who we are, which is why I'm kind of asking, what are some of the things that we can do to, to help us not have to go through those struggles because we can get there you know to our our goals much quicker if we if we can navigate the path far more streamlined if that makes sense yeah i i love what you just said um is that we often assume that our business is who we are yeah and being able to separate yourself from the business is one of the key principles that i help entrepreneurs with and and there's a very simple test. Um, there's a very simple test. And if you ask yourself, does my business have my name in it? Is my business and my personal bank account the same bank account? Is you know a couple little factors like this. If you're answering yes, then it's time to reevaluate because that means you are your business. And I made this exact same mistake. My first company was a full service media agency. We did everything from logo and branding to database and TV, radio commercials. I mean, you name it. It was full service. And it started as Curtis Morley Interactive. (laughs) And it's because I put my identity into the company. I said, I am the success or the failure of my company. Both. It wasn't just the success. I am the failure, too, which put an incredible amount of stress on me. And, and most entrepreneurs that do that, and that also breeds imposter syndrome. That yeah. also breeds a, a large degree of imposter syndrome. It's so true. That's one of the things that I learned many, many years ago and continue to share with clients, particularly the service coaches and consultant service-based people who would love to start a podcast. Be mindful of the name that you call it. If you put your name on your podcast, like the Anne-Marie Cross Show, which I've never done, um, you can't sell that down the the, the track, you know. And uh, this particular show, which we're on now, a number of years ago, I had a number of people because I, I I closed it down and people messaged me, would you consider selling it? I had no idea. But, but it's about the reputation. It's about the positioning of a particular entity and there's value in that. And I think, you know, looking at your business, it needs to be separate from you. And, and similarly too, can you step away from the business and can it continue to operate without you? And ultimately that should be what we are looking to achieve, shouldn't it, Curtis? We should be streamlining and stepping back. Not that we ever have to separate from yes. the business, but, um, you know, that allows us then to look at some of those growth things. And that can be different for everybody, can't it? It could be targeting a different marketplace. It could be um, buying one of your competitors and bringing them into the the suite because by you now doing that you've completely streamlined um you know maybe your supply chain or something like that or or increased your market share and um yeah i think we need to to think of that let's talk about some of the the pitfalls because i'm sure some of those will tie back into um some of the aspects that you're talking about the entrepreneur's paradox yeah yeah, you <laughs> you seriously have hit on so many of them. Uh, one is is climbing without the map, not having that true goal. Um, the other is um, where, wearing all the hats. Entrepreneurs wear all the hats, and when they start a company, you know, oftentimes you have to 
But transitioning, like you talked about, transitioning from wearing all the hats as quickly as possible to a system that operates with or without you. Yeah. As the entrepreneur, that's one of the most immediate goals is to create a company that works with or without you. Um, it's huge. Another pitfall is, is believing your fears. And I love the saying, doubt your doubts and throw out your fears. Doubt your doubts. Because what I've learned is that any business can succeed with the proper business principles applied to the company and the proper personal principles applied to the entrepreneur. Mm. If that's the case, I truly believe any company can succeed. And, yeah. and if I could bring us back, can we um, jump back to what you said right at the beginning that 30%, you know, there's this huge statistic that says businesses um, fail within the first year or five year, you know, and, and I look at, I look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics here in the States and the, the statistic says that 30% bare bones, 30% will fail in the first year. And within five years, 50% will be out of business. And, and the numbers are true, but I think they've got a faulty assumption. I think companies don't go out of business. I think entrepreneurs quit. Yes. And, and it's because business is hard and those principles aren't being applied to the business. Mm -hmm. um, I look at, you, you mentioned COVID, you know, and, and what's changing in the world. There is an unprecedented amount of change that's happening in the world right now. Unprecedented. We've never seen globally change like we're seeing right now. And, um, and one of my clients, my favorite young entrepreneur, um, her name's Kylie Chen. She has a global expedition company. So she takes people around the world on adventures. Yes. It's so fun. It's so fun. But COVID, COVID happened and her business literally went to zero in one month. And she could have been one of those statistics. She could have said, okay, well, COVID beat me. I guess I'll go find a job somewhere. But she didn't. She said, all right, let's think about this. Let's think about this from a business perspective. Did the need for adventure, did the need to go explore and journey, did that just disappear because COVID came? And the answer was no, it didn't. But it did shift locations. And so she said, well, if people still want to go on adventures, if they still want to have this, you know, this exciting journey to or expedition, then I'll do it where they can do it. So she started building glamping experiences around national parks in the U.S. And now she has two amazing businesses and she met the need where it was. And so in her case, she could have been one of those statistics, but she said, no, I'm not letting COVID beat me. I'm going to find out where the need, where the market demand went, and I'm yes. going to move it there. And yeah. now, you know, hopefully we're in a spot where we can start traveling again. And now she's got two companies instead of one. Yeah. And I think what it's really taught us is that no business um, has is going to not be impacted by, by that. And it's a huge wake-up call, particularly for businesses that may not have necessarily be impacted. If you are not looking at service delivery or supply chain or whatever it may be within your business to be able to shift, pivot quickly or have some form of risk management, then 
you've missed a huge opportunity. You really have missed a huge opportunity, both in the example of a new business arm or how are you going to adapt the next time something happens? And there will be a next time, whatever that looks like, you oh, know. Um, you know, and so for, for me, it's really shown as businesses, if you've got, and we know this, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't put all your supply chains in one basket. You need to diversify. Mm -hmm. You need to be leaner. You need to be far more agile. Your team doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, in person. And now you can tap into diverse expertise around the globe because a lot more people are online. And these are things I think that a lot of businesses, I'm hoping and, and assuming that they would have been navigating through because yeah these are these are it's just been a huge and in fact I heard somewhere that the rate of change if we mapped out equivalent uh, the equivalent of, of say six years of progressive change has now been made in like 12 months or something or even shorter yeah. yes you know, it's been incredible it is it's astounding how quickly yeah. things change and and people ask me all the time you know is during a pandemic, a good time to start a business. <laughs> and, you know, the immediate answer that you would expect is, well, no, but I give an emphatic yes. Yeah. And, and the reason being is that change, another name for change is opportunity. Yes. And yeah. you look at companies like Zoom, you look at companies like StreamYard that we're, we're on right now, you know, their businesses have exploded and just gone wild and that's because they were able to adapt quickly to the change and that's so important i think for any business gone are the days and 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 i, I think as entrepreneurs and many of the the businesses started off with a lean kind of a, a team and you realize that as you continue to grow there needs to be that that still um, yeah, the, 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 the smallness of it, and, and I think um, Richard Branson does that well, even though he's got, you know, huge conglomerate, he still keeps people as the smaller teams so yeah. that if something happens, there's it doesn't impact the entire business. And I think that that's really important, um, you know, for, for entrepreneurs as well, because the entrepreneurs of today could be the next, you know, the tomorrow Richard Brant Branson's. And I don't know why I'm mentioning his name, but it just came up because that was something that I certainly um, stood out for me and some of his teachings. So talk about some of the other pitfalls. You've already covered a number of them, which I think are so powerful, but what are some other things that we need to be mindful about? Um, one that, that I get really passionate about because um, I, I've said this phrase over and over again, and I hear it all the time from entrepreneurs. They say it's, it's lonely at the top. Mm. And whenever I hear that, I, I have a one word response, stop. Yeah. Stop being lonely at the top. You don't have to. And this was this was a concept that I just couldn't get my brain around. I was saying, well, no, I'm the only one that can make these decisions. And I'm the nobody understands in you know in my companies how I, you know, I, I have to make these hard choices and it's just me. Baloney. <laughs> it's it's not. There are coaches, there's mentors, there's peers. Like I think about climbing Kilimanjaro and if I climbed that mountain by myself, that would have been horrible. It would have just been a, an atrocious experience. But I had a, a 16 other amazing people that were surrounding me and we were climbing together and we were going up the mountain. And um, on the last day where we started at base camp at 15,551 feet, 
And all we had to go was about 2.28 miles to the summit, which is just under 20,000 feet, which is, to put that in perspective, the cruising altitude of a jet. <laughs> so we're going to go up almost 4,000 feet, and, um, and it was all in 2.28 miles. It was just crazy steep. We got about halfway up, and there was this little ice cave. That's what I called it anyway. Um, it was more of a dent in the mountain that we could get away from the wind. And Simon, our guide, our main guide at that time, um, he said, do not sit down. Do not sit down because if you sit down, you do not get up. <laughs> and, and immediately half of our group sat down. <laughs> and, and, and so so it was at that point where I heard things like, what was I thinking? I'm not a mountain climber. I can't make it. And, and imagine flying all the way to Africa to climb this mountain. You're one mile from the top. And people were saying, it, I'm going down. I can't make it. And the rest of us said, no, you're not. You came all the way to Africa. The summit is right up there. I know it's hard, but we're going to do this. And we lifted their spirits, but we also physically lifted them up and said, we're climbing this mountain. And that's very similar to business. You know, oftentimes we think we have to do it alone. Nobody understands us. That's just not true. There's people that have gone before. We couldn't have done it without our guides. So grab a guide, grab a coach, grab a mentor. All of the statistics say that companies are dramatically more likely to succeed if you have a coach or a mentor. Yes. And, and on top of that, build your peer network. In my first company, you know, you read, you read those, <laughs> you read all of those accolades at the beginning. And a lot of those happened in my first company. And people were thinking, oh man, that Curtis guy, he's, he's got it together. He's so great. And, and inside I'm dying because I'm thinking, how am I going to make payroll next week? <laughs> and I had all this imposter syndrome and all these things. And I looked out to my other peers and when it, it wasn't until I finally opened myself up and said, Hey, I'm going through this really hard thing. Have you experienced this? And then the other entrepreneurs in my area, when we call it Silicon slopes here in Utah, um, mm. they said, yeah, I went through that. Wait, you're going through that? I thought you had all the answers. I thought you had it all figured out. And it wasn't until I was able to be vulnerable and open up that I realized, oh, none of us have it figured out. We're all trying this together. You know what? Let's go arm in arm. Instead of climbing these mountains by ourselves, let's go together. Yeah. Yeah. What I love about that is that it's so true. So often we'll experience something and it may be a failure. Something didn't work out the way that we'd expected. And we really internalize it. And we, I'm the only one that has experienced it. And then it almost then turns into a secondary negative emotion of shame. But if we shared that, there is some form of aspect that someone else has experienced that. But I love the way that you said surround yourself with people and, and give them permission to call out your crap. Because <laughs> love that. It, you know, and I, I would often say, because I'm an introvert, and so for me, making phone calls um, can be, I can just pace around. And so I had, this is years ago, I had an assistant there and I said, can you just point your finger at me and say, go and make that call? And she did and went, okay, I'll do it. And off I went. And sometimes you need those people that will just say, cut the crap and go and do it, you know. Or And, and, and if you have people that you surround yourself with that won't do that or you haven't given them permission to do that, they'll tell you 
what they want. But I tell you what, at the end of the day, it's not going to give you what you need to just pick up your, you know, pick up that back sack and just get up that mountain. It's one mile, you know, do it kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could give you a big hug right now because that is that is such wise advice. That's such yeah. sage advice. And I love that you built a system in knowing you were an introvert, knowing yeah. that you didn't want to do it. You created a system that worked for you. And that's beautiful. Yeah, I, I love systems and I'll often get, I mean, I have to admit that uh, over the weekend we, can, we moved our entire training from one platform to another and I emailed my assistant to do that. And what did I, we're in lockdown, we're just out of it now. And I thought, I'm just going to start fiddling. And before I knew it, because we were serious lockdown, we couldn't even leave out, you know, five kilometres, I ended up moving everything across because, it just was, you know, quite a, a simple task. Not something that I probably would have done at the time, but I'm glad I did because now I know the back-end system and I can create training that will allow my team to do it kind of the way that it's now been set up. So I think, you know, there may be certain things that tap into what we're naturally good at, but is it really the best use of our time? But if not, do it once, get it to a position that, you know, you're, you're happy with, then create training around it and document that, you know, systematise that mm. so that others can can step in are there any other pitfalls Curtis that you'd like to share with us that you think I mean they're all important but what other ones do we have we not yet covered yeah there's a there's a couple one is business acumen and this is often very hard for entrepreneurs entrepreneurs are typically very creative people they're driven by creating something new creating something exciting um, the business acumen side is is a little bit tough and, um, and being able, you know, you talked about being a leader. One of the keys to being a leader is knowing where you're going, knowing which mountain you're going to climb, but then having the discipline to say, what do I need to know as I start climbing? What metrics do I need to understand? And that, that deals with finances. The leaders, the CEO needs to say, okay, I could go make this really cool product or I could sit down and understand what the what the key indicators in a balance sheet are that signal that hey my company is not so healthy right now I need to change this things like understanding customer acquisition costs and lifetime value there's um, things that really like specifically financial trending if you have year over year financial trending it changes your company because then you're able to predict revenue ebb and flows, and you're able to counteract things that happen to do with seasonality. Now, understanding that business acumen and saying, okay, I know I have the propensity to be a product builder or creative or you know, dive in there, and I need to step back and I say, okay, I do this, I add these ingredients to make my cupcakes, and people love my cupcakes. Can I take a different recipe and change the recipe to say, okay, now my recipe looks like this. I understand what a balance sheet is, a P&L. I understand you know, where my customers are coming from. I understand the big vision of how sales and marketing starts working together. You now, looking at the big picture, that's one of the keys for an entrepreneur to become a true leader is to be able to see the big picture and understand what are the key drivers to make that picture happen. Yeah. You know, I think one of the greatest lessons that I've learned is that our 
strengths can also be, our greatest strengths can also be our greatest weakness if we don't have those systems in place. Because that that was me. I love creating content, love all of that. I mean, that's what I teach and train clients to do. However, and, and that's what we've been doing is really, really putting in the systems to be able to track and monitor so that we can see. Because I'm off on my new creative project because we get bored. You know, sometimes <laughs> as creators, yeah, done that. But it's the follow through that is so important. Um, it's like when you know, I mean, I'm sure you might have get, got to this place, Curtis, when you're writing your book, um, you've read it so much over and over that you probably go, I am sick and tired of reading this thing, but that's what you need. this program or whatever product, you 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 have to, to stick with it. And that's one of the things that often I, I believe that we're not really shared because we hear some of the marketing hype. You know, create a course, get it out there, send an email, sit back and ding, 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 rubbish. It's not ding, 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 you know. It's crickets, but that's the first and then do it again and then do it again. And when you get to the 50th time or the 100th time, um, then come back and, uh, you know what I mean? We often give up too quickly. Would you say that that's fair? I'm so glad you brought that up because that is chronic with entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs, you know, they're like squirrel. Or what's the shiny thing that I'm looking at? And and all of a sudden they lose the focus. Um, and a great way to illustrate that, you know, if I ask you who who created the light bulb, who would you say? Uh, well, I would say Edison, but you probably, standard, yeah. Yeah, the standard answer is Thomas Edison, right? Everybody knows that. That's what they teach in school. That's It's Thomas Edison that created the light bulb. The fact is he was actually the sixth person, the sixth to create a version of the light bulb. Thomas Edison did not create the light bulb. Thomas Edison found that if he changed other people's creations and stuck with it, like you look at the history of everyone else that created a version of the light bulb and every single person was like, oh, that was neat. Okay, what's next? And the shiny object appears in the room and they move on to something else. Thomas Edison did the exact opposite. He said, I am going to do thousands of experiments and I'm going to stay so focused on this. There is nothing else in my world. Nothing. And and so he did. And he literally brought light to the world. Thomas Edison brought light. Wasn't it? Thousands of ways. Or was it even 10,000? He got to, I mean, whatever the, I mean, even if it was 100, the, you know, how many of us would have given up at 49, 50, 51? Because <laughs> right? I'm so stubborn. It's just like, I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> so, um, but it's so true. And, and you know, the, the people that have made, when we say made it, I mean, we've, and that's, I think, where we really, and we've heard this before, enjoy the journey because the learning and growth along the way you know, there may be so many things that we learn within that that um, can 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 support us in really taking what we're doing and developing to the next level, I think. And so often we're so focused on that end goal, we miss all of the opportunities along the way of getting there, I yeah. think. Uh, it's yeah. so, so true. 
It's yeah. so and I'm true. sure you used to think the same with the mountaintop. We're so focused on the mountaintop. It wasn't until you came down that you're able to then appreciate all of the learnings that were along the way. And now, of course, you've put this into this incredible book. Share a little bit more, Curtis, about your book, how people can get a copy of it, and, of course, find out more about the work you do. Yeah, that'd be great. So the book is called The Entrepreneur's Paradox, and it's available on Amazon and um, any of your major booksellers. And um, the website is called entrepreneursparadox.com. And what I do is I, I help businesses, specifically entrepreneurs, take their business to the next level. So I help them skyrocket from average growth to rapid growth. Yeah, yeah. And I would imagine it's looking at all of the different areas, the gaps, many of which we've spoken about today, and then plugging up those gaps, helping them get more of that mindset of, of uh, from entrepreneur to CEO to, to leader. Yeah. Um, everything in between. So um, that that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, sharing your insights. Um, it, it It is like a mountain climb, isn't it, building a business? But I tell you what, it is, I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, and some of us who do like challenges and problem solving, because it's just a, be mindful that you don't create your own issues. Enjoy the humdrum, <laughs> the, just the standard momentum, you know, the, the same old, same old, because um, that is where I think the growth can really occur, isn't it? If you can get it so streamlined and then get team to support you, get the solid team behind you, and then you can go off and kind of navigate through the next process. But you have to have that in place first. Otherwise, you're going to drag your team off uh, with you along that, um, yeah, that next bright, shiny object, whatever that might be for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Anne-Marie. You are welcome. And just another standout, be heard and influence tip for the week. Now, let me ask you a question because I know many of you are coaches and consultants would you invest in your own program? Now, that might sound like a really strange question to ask, yet I remember years ago speaking to with one of my colleagues who admitted he would not invest in what he had offered, which was probably one of the reasons why he struggled to get clients. Because if you don't see the value in what you're offering and you can't see where you can support your clients, whether it be fast-tracking their results or whatever it may be, then it's going to be very difficult for clients or prospective clients to see the value in what you offer. Because in, in the terms of my uh, colleague, not seeing the value in what he could offer a particular client, it impacted negatively the way that he spoke to a prospective client. It negatively impacted the way that he explained how his programs could support clients in achieving their goals much quicker than if they struggled on their own. And a lot of other different areas too. So by the time he got to discussing the pricing He'd already talked his prospective client out of investing in his program and not believing in the value of his services sadly also impacted the way in which he shared his expertise across articles that he wrote, on podcast interviews that he guested on, and even how he introduced himself on networking events. It almost impacted everything and certainly didn't position his in-depth knowledge and expertise as the trusted authority that he could have been. So that leads me back to my initial question. 
Do you see the value in what you offer? And would you invest in your own program? Now, if this is something that you're struggling with, let's talk. Send me an email to help at Anne Marie Cross. We'll set up a time to talk. And I'm sure we can pinpoint numerous value added points that you could and should be sharing along with pinpointing the mindset that has you developing what you do. And as always, have a fantastic week. This podcast is brought to you by theinfluencealliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series.